Man, so grateful to be up here, man. So grateful for my pastors, Philip and, and Holly. Here's the crazy thing. So many times the church can tell people to believe in Jesus, but we forget to tell them that we believe in them. And so, you know, we don't just come to a church where our pastors believe in Jesus. They believe in people. They believed in me. And I'm not up here because I believed in God solely. I'm up here because somebody believed in me as I believed in God. And so I want to encourage you to believe in people better in this season. This has nothing to do with my message, but I feel like sometimes we can see things going on in family members, husbands, wives, children, co-workers. I want to encourage you to believe in people more than ever because God is raising up people that look like Saul to you, but they're Paul to him. And what that means is obviously if you've read that, is that God took these people in the Bible that the whole world would say, no shot, no way, no how, and he changed them and transformed them into a person, a new person. And I want to encourage you, I really feel that strongly today, I don't know why I said that when I got up here, I really feel that strongly, that somebody needs to believe, believe in somebody today. The world would preach to believe in yourself I guess there's some wisdom to that, but I think what the world needs really is for us to believe in other people, and I, I want to encourage you to do that uh, today as our pastors have set that example so well. We're in a new series called Rhythm. Somebody say rhythm. If you don't have any rhythm and like you just lean against the wall at the birthday parties, I'm believing for you to get delivered today. You know, don't try to act like you're just super chill, you're just against the wall. Actually, your brain tells your feet to do something and your feet does the opposite. I'm believing that in this series has nothing to do with dancing, but I'm believing somebody's going to get delivered from that in the name of Jesus. You will do the running man. I don't know. Like, you got to start with an old dance. Don't start with none of the things these new kids are doing. Start with something back in the day, right? Just start with a robot. Like, like. You just got to move your arms first. This is the problem with some of you guys that don't know how to dance. You go straight to the feet. Don't do the feet. Don't. Just keep your feet in one spot and just, you know what I mean? Just move your shoulders. Like, stop trying to, to do all of that. But I'm believing that even though this mess has nothing to do with dancing, that somebody is going to just walk out of here dancing and praising before the Lord. Does anybody believe it? Come on, Brad. You better make some noise, Brad. Tyrone's like, yeah, yeah. Y'all gonna dance. So last week we talked about the rhythm of obedience. That obedience has a rhythm to it. I want to encourage you to jump online and catch that out on YouTube um, this week. If you missed that message, this week we're talking about the rhythm of resurrection. The rhythm of resurrection. If you have your Bibles, we're going to uh, read from John 11 chapters 1 through 22. Do you mind if I read all 22 verses? Now I asked somebody to, I asked people to make this promise to me last week. Promise me that if you are sitting in this room or you're watching online, promise me that you will read John chapter 11 on your own. Because I feel like God has been telling me that I want to preach with you, not for you. You need to be the best preacher for yourself. You might not ever make it on this platform. But I'm telling you right now, on Monday, I won't be there. You got to be able to preach the word of God to yourself when the enemy's coming against you, when the bill is due, when somebody gets sick. You got to be able to say, my God is my salvation. You got to be able to stare in the mirror and say, I am a child 
of God. I want to encourage you, and I want you to promise me that you will read John chapter 11 on your own this week and get personal revelation about who God is and who you are from the scriptures. You promise? Pinky swear. Stick up your pinky right now. This is a pinky swear in the spirit. Pinky swear. Okay. Verse 1 says this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. One translation says, this is the same Mary who later poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. She had not yet done that act of worship. It says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus. Come on, anybody sending word to Jesus in this season? Jesus, I need some help. They did the same thing, and they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. It says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory, it is for God's glory, for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. Come on, you're going to run to problems, not from them? No, no, no. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get better. They never knew what was going on. That's why I don't understand as a church why we put so much pressure on people. Like, you better live, you ain't living right, you better live with God. These people did not know what's going on. Lord, if he's <laughs> he sleep. He's going to get better. Just get the brother some chicken noodle soup. It's going to be all right. They're like, <laughs> disciples thought they meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> That's so funny to me. He's like speaking poetically, Jesus. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus, he's probably talking in the same accent, has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, man, Lazarus is dead. That's probably how he said it. <laughs> like he probably got out of his accent, his eloquency. <laughs> said, Lazarus is dead. Shoot. And he says, but for your sake and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Jesus not showing up is good for somebody says, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, T. Diddy, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Like T. Diddy, you get it? 
On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in his tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, that is a word for somebody. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. There's a rhythm to resurrection. And I want to submit to you this morning that the greatest thing that will ever happen to you in your life is something that dies, but God resurrects. I also want to submit to you that the greatest thing that will ever witness that Jesus is real is something that dies that God resurrects. See, we have to understand the gospel. Because I think sometimes, and I've done this when I want to encourage people, I preach a gospel message that isn't the gospel message. Come on, on the count of three, raise your hands. Come to the Lord. Come on, everybody, close your eyes. It's just between you and God. Come on, are you ready for the good life? You feel the Lord tugging at your heart? Okay, so close your eyes with nobody looking around, even though you're going to have to stand in for Jesus all the time. Let's start with you not having to do that. Let's start easy. Close your eyes. Why don't you feel it? The count of three. One, two, three. Look how many hands. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. A hundred hands. Look at that. This is maybe why we have such a hard time with life because maybe it's a little too easy to get in. I don't know. Can you imagine if people got in a gang that way? Come on, you've been wearing blue a long time. <laughs> Chuck Taylors. Come on. Hanging out in the neighborhood, graffiti, your graffiti's amazing. Come on, it's time. Bow your heads. Come on, Pookie Loke, bow your head. On the count of three, if you want to be a crip, raise your hand. One, two, three. Cuz, 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 cuz everywhere. Come on. And a handful of gang members can turn a city upside down because it's hard to get in. But it takes 18,000 Christians, and we're not doing anything, maybe because we don't understand this is about death and resurrection, hard times and victory. We go through the fire, but we come out unburned, and we proclaim the name of Jesus in the middle of every circumstance. The gospel is not God blesses you, you move to the suburbs, there's no problems. The gospel is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the death and resurrection of you and me. That's what this is. Christianity is not the increase of your moral compass. So I relieve you from the responsibility every time something happens in this world that you don't like, I relieve you from the responsibility of getting on Instagram and being mad about it. Because this is not about a moral compass. This is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus didn't send his disciples to the polls. He sent them to the prayer room to get some power so that they could be a witness to who Jesus was. Now, I'm not telling you not to vote. I'm just saying Jesus is not a politician. He's not going to come back. The gospel is Jesus died. He was resurrected. He's returning on a cloud of glory as a king. When Jesus comes back, there ain't going to be a vote. You ain't going to be able to bubble in Jesus. He's coming back, and every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. He's a king. He's not the president. He's not the mayor. You can't vote. He's a king. He's going to have his will in the earth. I promise you that. What is our job? For us to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. And I want to submit to you today that if you would just be able to get back in rhythm and not be so afraid of your dreams dying, your hopes dying, your career dying, if you would be able to walk in the resurrected life of Jesus Christ, what God could do for you and through you, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God would do for somebody who lives a life like this. He says, wait, and you will receive power. We got to get back into the rhythm of resurrection. Are you afraid for something to die in your life? You know, so many times we spend so much time trying to keep a dream from dying that we die ourselves. Because we're saying, no, 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 no. I, I need this thing. I, I need this thing. But this gospel is about death and resurrection. And I believe as a church, and I'm speaking for myself, we can be fixated on the death part. We're fixated on the death part. I love the fact that we have a cross up there. That's powerful to look at the cross. But that's only half the story. You know, we should install next to that cross an image of an empty tomb. Because Jesus didn't stay up on that cross. He, do you get what I'm saying? He died and he was resurrected. The tomb is empty. Maybe I should get a chain, a diamond chain with an empty tomb on it. Because that is the message of the gospel. That though he died, he didn't stay dead. Though you feel like your marriage is dead, it ain't going to stay dead. Though you feel like your hope is dead, it won't stay dead. Come on, it won't stay dead. And so we put all our energy and effort to keep things from dying and not understanding the gospel. The rhythm is death and resurrection. See, religion says to do better. The Bible actually says to die daily. You see the difference? I'm not trying to get better as a Christian. I'm trying to die to myself die to my own desires so that the resurrected life of Jesus can live inside out so that the world can see what would happen to a Christian who's willing to lay everything down for the Lord. It's a, it's a death and resurrection. So here's the thing. In order for you to live an abundant life, every day has to be both a funeral and a birthday party. A funeral for the things that are not of God and a birthday party for the things that are of God every single day. And let me tell you something, it is not fun. I don't like it. I'm like, God, really? I'm already a pastor. What else do you want me to do? Okay? Right? I couldn't be rich, couldn't win the lottery, couldn't do the stuff I wanted to do. I'm a pastor, right? So you still want me to? It's frustrating. Anybody feel that way? 
You go to growth track, you get water baptized, you join the group, you do everything you're supposed to do, you pray all the prayers, go to the Bible study, and then God on a Wednesday says, come on, man, you need to clean that up a little bit. He's saying to you, no, I'm always trying to bring about resurrection in your life. So the one thing you could do from this day forward to get back into the rhythm of resurrection is stop being afraid of death. Stop being afraid of death. Stop being afraid. There's so much fear in the church. Every conference I turn around is about not having fear. Fearless. No fear. Everything is about fear, fear, fear. God said, do not be afraid. Do not fear. You have the power of Jesus on the inside of you. Do not be afraid. The Bible says, oh, death, where is your sting? You have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to be afraid of. This is what Martin Luther King had. He had this operating in his life. That's why he was, such, he was able to make such an impact because he understood. He wasn't afraid of death. His final words were, I'm not fearing any man. The absence of fear is the presence of a re resurrected life. And so we got to get back into rhythm with these things. And I believe, and this is, I honestly believe, I know there's, I love church services where God shows up. I, I love prayer gatherings where God shows up. But if we're going to see things resurrected in our lives, we need to stop believing for visitations of God's spirit and start believing for a habitation of God's spirit. Oh, you see the difference? It's like, wow, God, dude, the 11 a.m., woo! Oh, my God, did you go to the one? Yeah, oh, that one was crazy. <laughs> 1 p.m. was unbelievable. God showed up. But then you look in the mirror and you feel ugly? Or you go in your car and you feel ashamed? Or you got to smoke and drink yourself to sleep? God doesn't want to visit you. He wants to move in. See, Jesus moved out of the tomb. He folded the garment, laid everything there. He folded the garment, left it in the tomb. He moved out of the tomb and moved into you. If you, if you just understand that right now, you are already back in rhythm. See, because it, it'll keep you from moments. There are moments where you lift your hands and you look to the Lord and you say, God, help me. But there are moments that you're going to have to go through if you're going to live a resurrected life where you look within and say, Lord, you are in me. I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. You are in me. Your healing power is in me. Remember when Peter laid hands on the person that was limping around for 40 years? What did he say? He didn't say, in Jesus' name, be healed. The guy was asking for money. And Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give you. In Jesus' name, get up. Do you understand the power in that? It's not like, it's not like I got the direct line to God. No, it's God is in me. So what I have in Jesus' name. 
Now, I don't do it in my own name. I do it in the name of Jesus. Do you see the difference? And it helps you get back in, in, in rhythm. Now, I know what you're thinking. I understand. Okay, great. You're talking about the gospel message, but I'm in a tough situation. I'm actually in a situation like Mary and Martha. I feel bad for Mary and Martha. One of them stayed in the house. One of them went out to meet him. You know what I love about Jesus? What I love about Jesus, not just that he died, not just that he experienced death, it was his attitude as he experienced death. It's not just that he, he died, it's not just that he died, it's also how he died. Guys coming to arrest him, Peter slashed off the soldier's ear, Jesus heals him. On the cross getting spit on, disrespected, and a thief, a criminal next to him gets to go to heaven over a minute and a half of a good sentence. Rocks thrown at him, stabbed with spears, a crown of thorns, and he says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. It wasn't just that he died, it was how he died. And so in this season where you're feeling like Mary and Martha and something's dying, the Bible gives you an instruction. In Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, it says this, you must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him. So God elevated Jesus, not just because he died, but because he, of how he died. What if you're in the toughest season of your life, where everything around you feels like it's dying, and God is watching your attitude, and your attitude in the death determines the elevation? Do you get what I'm saying? What, what if he's not just coming to save you? He's not just coming to rescue you. What if he's watching your attitude? And your attitude in your death experience will determine the elevation in the resurrection experience. You want to get back into the rhythm of resurrection? Your attitude in a death season. When it feels like everything is dying, you can say, God, but you're still good. This is the difference to me between praise and worship. Praise is God. I thank you for the car. I thank you for the house. I thank you that I'm healthy. I thank you for everything you're doing for me. I thank you for promotion. I thank you for the career. I thank you that I booked the audition. I thank you that I get to preach. Worship sometimes is I never got to preach. I'm broke. I don't know what's going on. I'm sick, but you're still God. I still believe that you are good. I worship you. There's a difference. Attitude. You press into the Spirit's character when death and destruction are all around. See, Mary and Martha had a tough situation. They're like, Jesus, the one you love is, is sick. They tried to qualify it. That's what we do when death is surrounded. Like, yeah, the one who paid the tithes is broke. Don't we do that? The one you love is sick. The one who gets up every single day and loves on her husband is divorced. The one, the one who did this, it's almost like, hey, God, I'm praying to you. And before I say this prayer, can I, can I give you the resume? 
that I do. So hopefully this speeds up. Hopefully you put my prayer in everybody interview for a job and your friend worked there and they say, I put your application on top. Everybody, <laughs> I put it on the top of the pile. Hey God, you see how hard I'm going in? Can I put that prayer on the top? Can you speed this up a little bit? It's your boy. Right here, I said in Jesus' name at the end of it, where are you? See, I can preach to you when Jesus is right on time. What did that, what did that say? <laughs> he might not come when you want him, but he's always on time. No, he's not. <laughs> Who said that? That is not true. He's late. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. No, no, no. I moved out of the apartment already. The bill turned pink and I couldn't pay it. What do you mean he may not come when I want him? He didn't come when I want him and he wasn't on time. See, we say all these phrases and we try to make it theology, but this says to me that he was late. He didn't show up. It wasn't like Lazarus got to the end of his thing and then Jesus burst in the room and said, get up, Lazarus. That's not what happened. Mary and Martha were standing over Lazarus or kneeling over Lazarus. And the Bible says they sent word to Jesus. Maybe you just, you're in a point where you're kneeling over your marriage. You're kneeling over your finances. You're kneeling over the career that you went to college for, and now you got $300,000 of student loan debt and a $15 an hour job, and you're kneeling over it, and you're like, don't worry, Jesus is coming. We sent word. Lazarus, hold on, man, don't, don't close your eyes. He's coming. He's coming. We sent word. It's only two miles. Lazarus, don't, don't close your eyes, buddy. It's okay. He's coming. He's coming. You're, you're the one who Jesus loves. He's, he's going to come. Lazarus, don't. Lazarus. Lazarus? I, I thought we prayed. I thought we sent. Hey, Martha, it, when the note that I told you to send to Jesus, did you put in it the one who you love? Remember I told you to put in the note the one who you love is sick? What happened? I, I want to tell you something that terrifies me in this passage of Scripture. It's one thing that Jesus said. Because there's certain things I've been praying for, and it feels like God is taking forever. And he says to him, I want you to see this. In, in verse 4, John 11, verse 1 through 7, in verse 4, it says, when he heard Lazarus is sick, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that the Son of God may be glorified in it. Listen to this, verse, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 
So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Do you know the original King James Version says this? So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Therefore, he stayed two more days. I don't want you to miss this. Jesus not coming when they wanted him to come was an expression of love. It was tough love, but it was love nonetheless. You know, my son told me the other day, I was putting him down to sleep, and my son gets hungry every single time it's bedtime. <laughs> he acts like we didn't feed him. So I put him in his bed, and I said, son, you got to go to bed. He says, daddy, my stomach is rumbling. And he said, I said, I know, buddy, but you got to go to bed. He said, but there's lightning and thunder in my stomach. And I said, that is an Imagine Dragon song. I'm not stupid. You were listening to that last week. That's an Imagine, it's an Imagine Dragon song. He said, I said, you're going to bed. You know what he said? I don't love you. And I said, buddy, that's not very nice. I said, what if daddy said he didn't love you? He said, don't say that. <laughs> I said, what? He said, please don't say that. I said, why? He says, because right now, I don't love you, but you still got to love me. I said, isn't this a picture of how we can be with God? You're late. We have a love problem, but the Bible says that it was an expression of love. That it says because he loved him, he was late. Because he loved him, he didn't do what they wanted him to do. They said the prayer, they did what they were supposed to do, but because he loved them, he didn't show up when they wanted him to show up. Then he goes and he tells the disciples, he says, I'm glad that I wasn't there because for your sake, when I raise them up, you will believe. See, in the world, when you're not a follower of Jesus, sometimes when it's dead, it's dead. You know, the Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Do you understand what that means? The same power, not a lower power, the same power. What if it's not your prayer life? that's gonna bring this one back? What if not, it's not what you say to God and the eloquence of your prayers that brings this one back to life? What if the rhythm of resurrection this time is not in your prayers, it's just in you? What if you gotta say to that situation the same power do you understand the power that rolled the tomb away? The same. Do you understand? the pre We love the presence of God in a church service. Do you understand the presence of God that was in that tomb when Jesus was dead? You haven't been to a conference. You haven't 
been to a prayer gathering that would be anywhere near the atmosphere in the tomb. And so I feel like I've been sent to God to tell you, if you wanted to come back to life, you got to change the atmosphere in the tomb. The atmosphere in the tomb has got to shift before the resurrection comes to pass. This is why you can't complain in the tomb. This is why you got to stop crying sometimes in the tomb. This is why you can't get mad in the tomb. You, the presence and the glory of the Lord has to show up in your tomb. See, the enemy wants you to decorate it. God wants you to get out of it. He wants you to shift the atmosphere in your tomb. And so Mary and Martha, they're on their knees and they're praying. And God was late and, and he didn't show up. But get this. It says... In John chapter 11, verse 17 through 22, it says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Somebody this week, you took five phone calls to be comforted about that thing that died, and you have no idea. You're inviting people to your funeral, and there's about to be a resurrection. You're wearing black. You got the wrong color on because God's about to do something that no eye has seen. So they said they're, they're all at the funeral and they're all upset and they went out to, to meet him, but Mary stayed home. See, there's this beautiful passage of scripture in Luke 10, verses 38 through 42, where Mary and Martha, Jesus, before this, had gone to Mary and Martha's house. Jesus would stay in their house. He would just, it was a custom when Jesus would come to Bethany. He'd say, I'm staying at Mary and Martha's house. I'm chilling over there. I'm hanging out over there. And there's one story in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, where, where Mary Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, just sitting and beholding the Lamb of God and all of his wisdom and all of his glory. And Martha was cleaning up the house. And Martha got mad and told Jesus, it's not fair that Mary is just chilling and I'm doing all the work. Why don't you tell Mary to come help me clean up the house? And Jesus said, Mary has chosen what is better. But then a couple chapters later, when Jesus doesn't answer Mary's prayer, it's Martha who runs out to Jesus and Mary who stays in the house. Maybe Mary was staying in the house because just like the other passage, maybe she was trying to make sure that everybody at the funeral, maybe she was trying to comfort everybody. Maybe she had shifted all of her gifts. Maybe she had shifted all of her organization skills. Maybe she had shifted all of her serving. Maybe she had shifted her entire mindset to handle the funeral. That's what some of us are doing. We're shifting everything God has given us so that we can manage a death when Jesus says, this thing will not end in death. Which means there can be death in the middle, but it will not end in death. And so God wants you to shift your focus away from the funeral for a second. The funeral of your hopes, the funeral of your dreams, the funeral of your marriage, whatever you got going on, God wants to shift it. Because Martha ran out to him. And the Bible says that Jesus, Martha said to Jesus, had you, to, had you been here, 
It wasn't that you can't do it, you didn't want to. I believe that you can resurrect it, but it's dead. And had you been here, this wouldn't have happened. So I have faith that you can do something about it, but I don't have faith that your perfect will is that you did it. So I'm just going to tell you, God, I believe you, God. I believe you can do all things. Had you been here, this wouldn't have happened. Then the Bible says that he goes in the house and Mary tells him the same thing, kind of. Had you been here, my brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. But there was a difference in their sentence. When Martha ran to Jesus, she said the same thing Mary said. She said, Jesus, had you been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Even now. See, Mary, see Martha was, Mary was over here with Lazarus maybe so focused with the dead, the dead thing, the dead body. She's like, why would I go out and run to Jesus when he let this happen? So since Jesus isn't there, let me just focus on the funeral. Let me just wrap Lazarus' body up. Let me just do, and, and Martha, who was, uh, ran out and said, but Jesus, maybe it was that few moments away from the death that let her stare resurrection in the face and something on the inside of her said to say, even now, maybe she was tempted to look back at the dead body, even now, even now, I mean, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 70, but even now, my husband ran out on me 15 years ago, but even now you, you have somebody for me. Yep. Even now. I'm trying to do less movement a, a little bit. It, this, the doctor said it's stage four, but even now, I've been praying about this thing for five years. But even now, I had to sell the stuff that I thought you blessed me with to pay rent. But even now, I don't know what's going on. But even now, I want to tell you that you cannot get through a life following Jesus without your even now moment. I'm telling you. I remember being 33 years old, living on a futon, I've told this story so many times. I'm smoking marijuana to put myself asleep. And I had this moment of God, with God, where I read this passage of scripture all those years ago. And something about those words stood out to me. So I would just tell myself and I would tell God, even now, 
Even now, Grace, even now, with everything I've been through and everything I've done and all my sin, even now, with everything they try to tell me I wasn't, my dad wasn't there, but even now, somebody needs to hear that right now at the 9 a.m., that even now there is a breakthrough. Even now there is a miracle. Even now there is hope. Even now there is resurrection. Even now your dreams can come alive. Stop kneeling over the thing. God sent me to tell you the funeral is over. Even now, God can do a new thing. Even now, God can set you free. Even now, somebody's been to rehab twice. Even now, the third time's the charm. Even now, God can do something awesome. Even now, God can set you free. Even now, God can get you pregnant. Even now, God can do a new thing in your life. Is there anybody in the 9 a.m. that wants to give God praise right now?